Welcome to the NutriBlends Animal Ag Podcast, where we tell the truth about American agriculture. On this podcast, false rumors are run out of town. Misleading marketing gets called out for what it is. And you better have good science to back up your claims or you're getting a boot. You hear me? I'm John Ratzenberger, coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Swine producers and swine veterinarians have been battling PRRS since the early 1990s. The goal has been to control, manage, and eradicate the virus from all herds. Today, we will visit the latest information about PRRS and the advances being made. Dr. Jessica Risser, a senior technical consultant with Elanco Animal Health Swine Business Unit, she works to help various swine producers and veterinarians in the eastern Corn Belt region find solutions to their animal health needs. Previously, she led the animal health and welfare programs for a large swine system in the U.S. Coming from a family farm background, Dr. Jessica has always been passionate about safeguarding food supply through livestock production. After obtaining a Bachelor of Science degree in biochemistry from West Virginia University, she attended North Carolina State University's School of Veterinary Medicine. So, Jessica, let's start with what is PRRS? So I've not known the U.S. wine industry without PERS virus, so it is second nature for me to think about how the virus impacts our production and biosecurity. So PERS virus, or PRRSV, stands for porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome virus. But before the etiology was determined in the early 1990s, the U.S. industry referred to it as mystery pig disease. So PERS virus is a small RNA-enveloped virus. It is highly host-specific to replication in the porcine alveolar macrophages and in the macrophages of other tissues. It has also been shown to replicate in testicular germ cells and infected boars. The nature of RNA viruses and their rate of mutation and the ability of this virus to hide, for lack of a better word, then become reactivated under periods of stress as challenges for producers and swine veterinarians in the control, management, and eradication of the virus from a herd. The virus will replicate in the macrophages of the lymphoid tissues and then spread rapidly throughout the body by the lymphohematic route. And the peak viremia pattern is typically seven to 10 days post-infection. However, the duration of viremia varies depending on the strain, the age of the pig, co-infections impacting the immune system, and several others. In some instances, the viremia can persist for three months in the individual pig. What are the symptoms of PRRSV? Yeah, so there are various strains, pathogenic strains of PERS virus because of its rapid mutation. So this also impacts the type of clinical signs that are observed. And other critical factors in the determination of symptoms are the age of the pig. So if it's a pre-weaning, post-weaning, or a pig in later grow, finish, or mature pig. Also, other pathogens that are endemic in the herd can impact the symptoms. So if there's a mycoplasma, influenza, streptococcus suis, glacerella parasuis, which was previously Haemophilus parasuis, or circovirus, these can all change the clinical picture in the barn. 
Also, if there's previous exposure to PERS virus, so homogeneous or heterogeneous strains, or if they're completely naive, can impact what we see when we go in the barn. Um, there are two body systems that display symptoms impacted by PERS, so hence the name of the virus, the porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome. Reproductive signs are found at the south farms and breeding herds, and these symptoms um, do not come in any particular order or really start in any particular area of the barn. Another variable in the clinical picture is how early the symptoms are detected. At the beginning of the break, sows will typically have lethargy, inappetence, mild fever. They can spike in abortions, especially in mid-gestation as the virus enters the farrowing barn. The rate of stillborns, mummies, and poor-going pigs at birth can rapidly increase. Consequently, the pigs do not nurse as well and cause further complications in breeding and conception in the next term for the sows. In my experience and practice, if the strain was lower in reproductive pathogenicity, the first symptom may only be an increase in pre-weaning clinical disease of the nursing piglets, and it really varies and can cause a lot of confusion for on-farm teams as to the root cause of the issues and their next steps. The second part of the syndrome is a manifestation of respiratory signs. These can be observed in both growing pigs and mature swine, and the severity is usually age-dependent as well as dependent on co-infections. Uncomplicated PERS-positive pigs usually are lethargic, have an appetence, and a mild fever. The ramifications are on growth performance as the pigs will take more days to get to acceptable market weight, which for producers is a key performance indicator and financially critical. Now, most cases of PERS-positive pigs are complicated with at least one, if not more, of the co-pathogens I mentioned earlier. The producer and practitioner will observe clinically more of the endemic or co-infection ramifications than that of the PERS. Many times in practice, it was rapid, the rapid increase in symptoms of the endemic pathogens that started the inquiry into PERS virus. What are the strategies to prevent PERS? That's a great question, because I would rather prevent PERS than have to address the aftermath of it in any part of production. So after not all production systems or veterinarians value prevention the same, it is very similar to an insurance policy and the amount of risk one is willing to take. If we think about the modes of transmission, then each possible route of entry can be given a risk level depending on the phase of production, geography, and other production system characteristics. Most commonly is through lateral entry by direct contact or, or indirectly through fomites that are carrying PERS virus. We can think of a fomite as anything that can be carrying nasal secretions, saliva, urine, feces, mammary gland secretions, or semen. And then next we consider the standard operating procedures that need to be put into place to prevent the movement of these items, or at least the cleaning and disinfection of these items between sites or barns. So we're pretty fortunate that PERS virus is quickly inactivated through lipid solvents, heat, drying, and at pH levels below five or above seven. Therefore, we can apply these principles to transportation equipment, smaller equipment, and supplies used in the barns. So a good reminder to producers that a procedure is required is a visual clean dirty line, and these are pre-identified lines that indicate a step or procedure needs to take place. So depending on the stage of production and the type of programs the farm is under will determine the steps taken if there are various lines staggered coming into the barn. They may indicate a disinfection of equipment, an individual to change into barn-specific coveralls and boots, or in many breeding herds, a complete shower before changing into barn-specific coveralls and boots. We also cannot forget about internal biosecurity procedures. These procedures are in place between animals on the same farm and may even be in the same room. So just like people travel across the country and internationally more now than ever, the same applies within the swine industry and includes the pigs. 
you know, we can drop the ball and asking about travel internationally across the country or down the road to the local livestock auction or fair. If your farm is purchasing replacement gilts, boars, or semen, it's important to request a thorough discussion between your veterinarian and the veterinarian of the source herd to understand pathogen risks. And lastly, diagnostic surveillance is important to monitor herd statuses and understand risk of spreading PERS from farm to farm. Oral fluid technology has made it pretty easy to collect samples of pigs of various ages and test for virus itself through polymerase chain reaction and antibody responses through ELISA tests. What are the strategies to control PERS? Yeah, so unfortunately, a farm can have all the prevention procedures in place and still break with PERS. And that's when we have to move into control, stabilization, and maybe if a farm is lucky to have a successful history of keeping PERS out, we can eliminate. Research into control methods have been emphasized more in breeding herds than grow finish because of the continuous flow and age of the animals at the breeding herd farms. Our first step um, is to consider the site's history, how the virus entered the farm, and can those risks be removed for the long term. This applies to both the breeding herds and grow finish herds. Knowing the area helps to predict what types of programs will be effective for the future. For the time being, uh, what do you say we focus on the breeding herd? Sounds good. So for breeding herds, we often talk about breeding herd closures. So this is a sequence of events that includes the load, close, expose, and stabilize the farm. So for the exposure phase, methods have evolved over time for breeding herds. However, multiple breaks and control control strategies have shown that all the animals on the site need exposed to the live virus or an attenuated virus of similar genetic characteristics. Is there vaccine strategies that can be implemented? So vaccination of all the breeding animals on site with a commercially available modified live vaccine is the most common route for this exposure. Additionally, these vaccines are commonly administered to piglets that may be negative or positive at the time of weaning but are transported into a known positive geographic area. So a length of animal health modified live vaccine is called Prevacent PERS. Prevacent PERS is the first only on-market USDA licensed vaccine containing a contemporary lineage one field strain with at least 26 weeks duration of immunity against the respiratory form of PERS. Prevacent is the first lineage one vaccine marketed with both a reproductive and respiratory claim against the PERS virus. PERS strains are classified into one of nine lineages based on their OR5 sequences. And over the years, these strains change and adapt. Prevacin is more homologous to lineage 1 field strains, the Minnesota 184 and the North Carolina 174, than any other modified live PERS vaccine on the market. Well, can you share more about the results uh, Lanco has seen with Prevacin? Sure. So Prevacin has been shown to be safe, smooth, and effective for respiratory disease in both pigs over 14 days of age and for reproductive disease in breeding animals. Safe because it's been shown to have limited shed and spread, which may reduce the chances of recombination in vaccine-like viruses in vaccinated herds. While in breeding animals, the duration and level of viremia was less compared to challenged non-vaccinated controls. Prevacin is smooth because it does not cause a reduction in growth performance as a result of vaccination, ensuring a strong start for newly weaned piglets. In two recent breeding herd studies, Prevacin was found to be safe in all gestational stages. Prevacin demonstrated comparable prevalence of vaccination reactions compared to unvaccinated controls. And lastly, Prevacin is effective because it has demonstrated a 26-week duration of immunity following a single dose to pigs of at least two weeks of age. In the breeding herds, regardless of vaccination timing, no adverse impacts were seen on faring rate with Prevacin. 
Additionally, Prevacent improved piglet viability and numerically increased birth weight when compared to non-vaccinated controls. So depending on the goals of the herd, modified live vaccines may continue to be utilized in the stabilization and control phases to reduce the shedding of virus within and from the farm. How do producers know that their uh, intervention strategies are successful? So back to the herd closures, um, they can be monitored through the presence of virus in the piglets at birth and at weaning. Um, They are most naive animals on site and the least established immune system to fight the virus. Ultimately, at the end of a herd closure, with the purpose of elimination, the piglets need to have shown a consistent negative PCR throughout the pre-weaning phase. The length of time it takes to accomplish this seems to be strain and herd specific. There are very pathogenic strains that move faster in population while others take longer to move and develop an immune response. How can the LANCO assist with control and treatment of secondary pathogens? So as I mentioned during the description of PERS clinical signs, the secondary bacterial pathogens are often what needs control to minimize the overall impact of PERS virus. So judicious use of antibiotics requires a veterinarian to take animal husbandry steps to prevent the need for antibiotics. But in times when pigs are immunocompromised, prevention efforts may not overcome the bacterial prevalence. The veterinarian's experience, clinical disease, and the appropriate diagnostic techniques substantiate the need for antibiotics. One of Alanco's products assists veterinarians in the control of treatment of bacteria often found as a co-pathogens to PERS virus. Palmatil AC is administered in the water for control of Pastorella motosida, Glossarella parasuas, and Mycoplasma hyenomoniae in presence of PERS virus. Palmatil AC's unique mode of action delivers the active ingredient rapidly to the site of infection and works with the pig's immune system, concentrating at high levels throughout the respiratory tract to help pigs fight off respiratory pathogens. Palmatil AC's active ingredient reinforces the natural defense system and supplements host defenses. Well, boy, that's impressive. Anything else before we wrap it up? Hey, I was preparing for this discussion and had to stop and think about the different generations. Society categorizes generations based on what they know or have experienced. And those entering the industry for about the last 10 years have not known the U.S. swine industry without PERS virus. There are a few of us that remember circovirus breaks before vaccine, and many remember life before porcine epidemic diarrhea, but fewer remember life before PERS. I've heard many say that we have it and we have to learn with it, but I want to challenge ourselves for an industry without PERS virus. I believe it's important for us to continue to share experiences and learnings from the early days of mystery pig disease and use the new technology and diagnostics to push ourselves forward. Well, there's no easy way to deal with PERS. It's been prevalent in the swine industry for over 30 years. A scientific approach is getting us closer to managing this costly disease. I'd like to thank Dr. Jessica Risser from Elanco Animal Health and encourage our listeners to join us next week to hear what's on tap in animal agriculture.